PM board bombs. Now, here's doctors Iltafat Hussein and Blake Briggs. Hey, welcome back to another EM Board Bombs podcast where we continue to drop some fun board studying and just, you know, life studying, just knowledge bombs in general. Right, Blake? You're just a just a routine Sunday evening. Oh, sorry. I didn't even introduce you. I, I actually did it on purpose. Yeah, I know you're trying to do that more and more. I'm joined by uh, Dr. Blake Briggs. Hey, what's yeah, up? Yeah, pleasure to be How's here. Pleasure. Um, you know, just a testament to our uh, planning ahead. We're filming an episode the night before it's going to be released. Iltafat likes to respect my editing time a lot. I so. do. I do. And you know, just, hey, to be fair, uh, the NBA All-Star Game is tonight, and yep. I am not watching that. So, uh, you know, uh, priorities. Priorities. Yeah, it's, hey, for the pod. Well, yeah, you know how people say do it for the gram? Like, you know, yeah. this is, you know, we do it for the pod. Yep. We give the people what they want. Hey, this is a continuing series of a collaboration we have with ASEP's Pure Board Review. It's got a bit of a twist. What we're doing here, you know, are these question modules that are part of ASEP's Pure Cert. So ASEP is modeling their Pure Cert questions after the ABEM writing process. So they're creating questions to mirror how emergency physicians manage specific presentations in their everyday practice. So really appreciate the collaboration we have going on with them. For every 10 to 15 minute episodes that we drop, we like to say come for the STEM, stay for the content. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at EMBoardMoms. You can find a ton of handouts at EMBoardMoms.com. You can you know, jump on our newsletter. We also have a pretty awesome EM Rapid Bombs podcast. This is our, I guess we would describe it as our premium sister podcast that recently passed 200 episodes. Uh, you know, we drop two to five minutes of high yield bombs in a question answer format. So they get seared into your memory. And I think the key thing with this, uh, Dr. Briggs, is what we like to say is, you know, don't waste your time studying for the test with traditional question banks. Optimize your time by listening to our board pearls that help you with the test. And more importantly, with life, it's really cool. We've got, you know, really seasoned em attendings that listen and we also have new residents as well even medical students yeah you can sign up on em rapid bombs at emrapidbombs.supercast.com and look at the show notes of this podcast as well you can see the direct link to emrapidbombs.com if you don't really want to memorize that you can also go to our main website emboardbombs which comes up on a Google search. If you type in emergency medicine board review, we're in the first page, like at the top of the first page. Whoa, wowzers. I know. So We've made Google. it. Yeah, Google yeah. even thinks it. You know, people are going to think we're like Illuminati now. <laughs> right? Isn't that how it goes? Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> how it is. Yeah, we're not going to blow anything up, though. Hey, let's uh, do to the ASEP peer question. You ready? Let's do it. Got a good one here. A 19-year-old man presents after a diving injury in a swimming pool. On physical exam, his vital signs are blood pressure, 76 over 44, heart rate, 59, respiratory rate, 12, and his temp is 98.6 degrees Fahrenheit. I'm not going to mention the Celsius here. Oh, come on. Are you kidding me? His pulse ox is 94% on room air. He has two out of five strength in the upper extremities bilaterally and one out of five strength in the lower extremities bilaterally. Clearly, this patient needs a vasoactive agent to help manage their hemodynamic instability. 
a heated debate breaks out with neurosurgery on the agent of choice. Pharmacy chimes in. Even cardiology, whilst managing a STEMI, <laughs> overhears the debate and chimes in on their favorite vasopressor. However, you being a well-trained EM provider who keeps up to date on just this type of content by listening to EM board moms and knows the answer. So again, in this case, which agent is the best option to manage this patient's hemodynamic instability? Is it A, atropine, B, dopamine, C, norepinephrine, or D, phenylephrine? Dr. Briggs. Correct answer here is going to be choice C, norepinephrine. Oh man, I you know I feel like any time this happens, there's just like like a debate that breaks out. There sure is. <laughs> the most shocking part of this question was that the neurosurgeon was willing to debate. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, oh that was, that was good. That was good. I really like that. I really You're like welcome. That. You know, what's interesting is that both of us learned in medical school and residency, really, from some sources, that phenylephrine is the answer for this. Right. And that's where you yeah. see a lot of this happen, right. you know, where a lot of times, you know, you're, it's time for the vasoactive agent of choice. And then someone is always chiming in. Well, yeah, yeah do phenylephrine, do phenylephrine. But we're going to get into this. This is going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. So there are no strict guidelines on vasopressor use in neurogenic shock, clearly. But the, get ready for this one. I didn't know this is society. The Consortium for Spinal Cord Medicine. That's amazing. I'm, you know, I'm, I had to read that twice when ASAP sent us the question. I'm not joking. I really did. I did a quick Google search as well. Are they real? Or are they Illuminati? Well, I mean, you know, ASAP's like pumping them, so I trust them. Right? That's true. I'm amazed at whoever wrote this question for ASAP, like, dropped that name. Right? Maybe they are the Illuminati. I don't know. They are. Yeah. Anyway, this consortium for spinal cord medicine, cue the violin music, recommends hey, the I, use. I think it's consortium. I don't think it is. It's it's no, it's consortium. Is that how you pronounce it? Yeah, I don't think it's. All right. Hey, <laughs> don't edit that? this out. Don't edit this out. By the way, <laughs> just keep it in. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hashtag ESL. Anyway. This is true. I, they recommend, we haven't made it through the second line of the script. We got to get going. Go, go, go. They recommend the use of norepinephrine for hypotension in cervical or upper thoracic regions related to the loss of sympathetic tone. So dopamine was an answer choice, choice B. It's also mentioned as an alternative treatment, but systematic reviews have demonstrated that there are some advantages to utilizing norepinephrine. So small studies have demonstrated an increase in MAPS and fewer complications, such as arrhythmias, troponin elevations, all that. Norepinephrine also utilizes both alpha and beta receptor activation. The alpha receptor, as we know, increases peripheral vascular tone, which will help raise the blood pressure. However, the beta activation prevents any reflux bradycardia. We all know this. Um, there's a reason that, as I learned in my sticky rotation, norepinephrine is, quote, God's presser. <laughs> <laughs> is that what he said that's literally what one of the trauma surgeons said oh i love that that's awesome yeah, it's pretty good that's so <clears throat> i mean let's be real when you're on rounds for med students listening the answer is always norepinephrine when someone yeah. asks you what presser to use it's i mean norepinephrine just, yeah. 
it, it's a, there's so many articles on it. It really has pretty much battled out to be the one and only vasopressor for all needs. Like there's right. Wait, hold up, hold up. I, I did mention cardiology here. Uh, yeah. So the, is, med students listening, I just don't answer that when cardiology is around. Though. Yeah. Other than that, though, other than that, Dr. Briggs, you are correct. Let's go through other incorrect explanations here. Can you do that, please? For sure. So, you know, atropine was one of the incorrect answers here. So, again, you should always be considering it for bradycardia, causing significant hypotension. However, in this case, you have a patient who has neurogenic shock, you know, from the spinal cord injury. The primary mechanism of hypotension is the vasodilation from lack of the, you know, the sympathetic tone. The bradycardia is often relative to the hypotension rather than the direct cause of it. Now, although the Consortium for Spinal Cord Medicine recommends dopamine or norepinephrine for use, there are several disadvantages of dopamine compared to norepinephrine. I could have told you that. Yeah. (laughs) You didn't need the consortium. No. (laughs) Or consortium. Yes. Several studies have demonstrated increased complications with dopamine, including AFib, ventricular tachycardia, and an elevated troponin. Dopamine has both alpha and beta agonist activity and provides both peripheral vascular resistance and cardiac chronotropy, which is beneficial in the treatment of neurogenic shock. But remember all those other side effects that we talked about. Now, phenylephrine was listed there as well. And this is the one we were joking around about before as always being the go-to back in the day. Phenylephrine is an alpha agonist that increases peripheral vascular resistance and blood pressure. However, this increased peripheral vascular resistance can cause a reflex bradycardia, which can be harmful to an already bradycardic patient. Phenylephrine can be considered in patients with injuries in lower thoracic regions without the presence of bradycardia. But again, what's the easiest one to just go to, Dr. Briggs? Norepinephrine. Boom. There you go. God's hey, let's pressure. do some key points here. So norepinephrine should be used to manage hypotension from neurogenic shock. That's point number one. Point number two, dopamine can be used in the management of neurogenic shock, but is associated with more adverse outcomes, aka don't use it. And for any med students listening out there, no, it doesn't do renal protective crap like you learned in medical school. Mm. <laughs> you remember learning that for step one? Mm-mm-mm. Point number three, phenylephrine can cause reflux bradycardia and should not be used in patients with neurogenic shock. That's probably the biggest point here that people don't know, probably. But they do now. They do now. Hey, one more key thing, since we haven't dragged this on enough. You know, really important here, because I mentioned this in one of the rapid bombs for our premium subscribers. It's really critical here that this patient, I know we're kind of like focusing on just a board question here, and they're assuming the patient has neurogenic shock. But please do not forget that this is a trauma patient, and the first thing you should always associate with hypotensive trauma patient is blood loss. Oh, you're about to drop it. Oh, you're about to drop it. Boom. And so technically, if blood loss was an answer choice here with all these pressers, you should have picked blood products. Boom. You know, I wish I could be your hype man right now. You know, yeah. like I'm like your hype man. You That's know, what it back, is. You know? That's what it is. Like I'm like DJ Khaled while you're like the main rapper. You know? <laughs> Another oh, one. <laughs> another one. Another one. Hey, that's a keyboard pro. Can you say that again? Yeah. So this patient is hypotensive after a trauma. Blood products before pressors. Absolutely Boom. here. Boom. So yes, some of you are reading the question something. Well, he's not even tachycardic and he's hypotensive and he had like a neck injury. 
That's neurogenic shock. Yeah, on the boards it is. But in real life, hypotensive trauma patient, your top five causes should be hemorrhagic shock. Oh, he dropped Every another time. one. One more time. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's take it out. Hey, so I hope you enjoyed that ASAP question that Ildfa and I just went over. Just in time for the IT, really, if you think about it, hopefully you have a chance to listen to this podcast as you're cramming last minute. You know, Ildfa and I don't really like cramming, but we definitely want to help out and do our part. And so we're actually going to give you a quick 30-second preview, maybe 35 seconds because we're feeling generous, of a recent Rapid Bomb podcast we did for our premium subscribers. And we titled the episode Bites, Stings, and Ouchies. And what we did is we covered (laughs) all the major random things you have to know, like Ciguatera, Scombroid, Stingrays, Mm -hmm. Mana Wars, Lionfish. If you don't know what those are, then you're going to be in a world of hurt. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, right. You're going to be in a world of hurt Wednesday. So feel free to subscribe. Check that episode out. Uh, But for now, just enjoy uh, the quick preview here. Hope you enjoy. Nematocysts. Do you know what those are? (laughs) Yes, they're jellyfish. (laughs) So, effects. Stinging. Pain in the sight. What's the management? You're going to brush off the stinger. Apparently, Rosh Review says to use a credit card. (laughs) Yeah, okay. You're going to use hot salt water, and this is preferred over vinegar or acetic acid. Mm -hmm. Thankfully, this is very similar to a Portuguese man-of-war. I always thought that was the most badass creature. Right. Man-of-war. Right. Same as above, stinging, pain at sight. Uh, And then you're going to brush off the stinger as well. Same with jellyfish, hot salt water preferred. Mm. Hey, talk about this next creature, which is frightening. Ooh, yes, a lionfish. Yeah, what, what goes on with that? And that's another bomb delivered, a ASEP Pure Cert bomb that we just did. You Remember, you can find us on Twitter. Our handle is at EMBoardBombs, as well as Instagram. Remember the highlights here of EM Rapid Bombs, which is at emrapidbombs.supercast.com, or you can go to our main website, or you can just check out the show notes below for the link. Otherwise, we will see you next time. That's all I got. Thanks, Dr. Break. Break.